Welcome back to Bible Love, and we are in one of those weeks between books of the Bible. We've wrapped up Joshua, we're about to hit Judges, and so we wanted to take some time and just talk about Scripture. I'll introduce our guest in a minute, but seeing as he is a good bishop, I thought our prayer for today would be for clergy and people from the Book of Common Prayer. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, from whom cometh every good and perfect gift, send down upon our bishops and other clergy and upon the congregations committed to their charge the healthful spirit of thy grace, and that they may truly please thee, pour upon them the continual dew of thy blessing. Grant this, O Lord, for the honor of our advocate and mediator, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We are joined today by Bishop Scott Mayer, who is the Bishop of the Diocese of Northwest Texas and the provisional, is that your title? Provisional Bishop of the Episcopal Church in North Texas, which is where I now reside. So you are indeed my bishop. Scott, thank you for joining us today and for, for coming on to talk about the Bible. Thank you. Thanks. It's a privilege to be here. Yeah, I was telling Bishop Mayer, um, he may not remember, but I was excited um, to see him again because I went to the Seminary of the Southwest. So I have a little Texas in me as well. And we met several times there. And it's just an honor to have you with us to talk to us about the Bible and what it means to you and what it's meant to you during your ministry, Bishop. We want to hear about that. Um, Maybe that's a good place to start. When you think about the Bible, what, what kind of feelings come up for you? How, how is it an important tool in your life? Well, um, of course, I'm in the Bible um, every week as um, at a minimum, I'm, I'm preaching. So I'm studying the Bible for that purpose, as well as my own personal devotions. Um, the um, um, it, it's a. Uh, I think the um, scripture, of course, is central to um, to uh, Christians, um, and uh, we we study the Bible and we uh, we read the Bible through. Uh, uh, I think most of us read the Bible through a particular theological lens. That's one of the things I've discovered as probably more as a uh, ordained person, uh, recognizing how people approach the Bible um, with a theological lens before they even open the Bible. Um, and um, we live uh, currently in a part of the world where the predominant um, theological culture is uh, reads the Bible a certain way. And, um, and, and so I understand that when someone who comes from one of those traditions um, enters our doors that uh, they are they're probably looking at the Bible through a particular lens and I can perhaps meet them where they are instead of talk past one another, which we're prone to do sometimes. I love that meeting them where they are. Isn't that important to do really in all aspects of life? But when you are studying the Bible in a way that 
you know, we one person might have learned it one way and another might or understands it in another way, sort of meeting each other where we are. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. 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 yeah I think, you know, Bishop Mayer, you know, you and I are both lifelong Texans and we've talked about this. We're from the same part of the world, the Dallas Fort Worth area. And that, you know, Dallas Fort Worth is tons of mega churches. It's kind of buckle of the Bible belt. Everyone's a little bit Baptist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I, I grew up conservative Lutheran. And I certainly had a lens through which I read the Bible. I probably read the Bible more in my Lutheran elementary school than I did in seminary, which maybe says something about me or Episcopal education. I don't know which. Um, but as I've grown and met people and learned things, my lens through which I see the Bible has shifted. I still see the benefits of, of former ways. Um, but have a new way now. And so I'd just be curious as you've grown up in a changing culture, as you've grown up in Texas, this world, how has your view of the Bible, the lenses through which you see the Bible, how has that changed? Well, I, like you, um, I was uh, raised in the Episcopal church. I was, um, I was raised in a church that had a high view of the Bible. It was uh, it was a low church in a high church uh, diocese, kind of an island. Uh, high uh, low church often means high Bible, and um, and that was the case. Um, so we certainly took the Bible seriously, and um, and and of course, uh, like a lifelong Episcopalian, I, I I went to Sunday school. I went to vacation Bible school. Um, I heard the stories uh, largely around uh, Jesus and Paul, and uh, so I, as a child, that's that's really um, kind of what we got. And um, um, and I had a, I think a pretty good understanding. Uh, I mean, for a child uh, of the Bible, um, my teenage years, uh, as you. Uh, start to have uh, get to know friends that uh, are part of a non-denominational youth group or a um, uh, going to a uh, revival with a girlfriend or or a Sunday school with a buddy or whatever. Uh, starting to see that there was uh, an understanding of the Bible that didn't quite match what I had heard. Um, I got curious. And I do remember that, um, I mean, in my early tens, uh, teens, I got my, my good news for modern man Bible and I started reading. It's the New Testament, if you recall. And so you're five chapters, you're five chapters into Matthew. And if you're a teenage boy, uh, you learn that, um, um, if you might have to pluck your eye out or uh, go to hell. And um, so I, I I opted not to pluck my eye out, and and for a while quit reading that. Um, that was a so I have a I, I admit that that influenced me in the sense that um, I really am not one that thinks we should just hand out Bibles to uh, anyone without any guidance. It's actually in the Bible that you should have guidance and. Uh, so I, that that definitely had an influence on me. I did survive it, obviously. <laughs> and uh, um, and you that, didn't run from the church either. You stayed in it. After I, I, I did stay in there. I did, yes. And uh, 
then, of course, as a young adult, um, began to have a more mature view of it. Um, the uh, I, I remember uh, we were part of a large uh, multi-staff congregation in Dallas that uh, was probably on the Anglo-Catholic side of things, um, um, and uh, but they had evangelical on the staff, and I remember asking. Uh, the rector one time, what's what's the real difference in the approach to the Bible? And and the rector said something that I've never forgotten. He said, if you ask uh, uh, our evangelical priest over there a question, he's going to begin his answer with the Bible says. Mm -hmm. And he said, if you ask me, I'm going to say the church says. Mm -hmm. And 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 given my experience uh, of Matthew five, uh, that. Uh, which I don't want to overplay, but but that was attractive to me, and and led into having a uh, eventually understanding scripture, reason, and tradition, and and a and a better understanding of the Bible. Yeah, it's really important to, to remember. I think sometimes um, when we're thinking about how we approach, you know, um, the Bible says versus the church says or God says, for you know, I, I, I appreciate that very much. Right now, we, you know, we started this podcast in um, the beginning in Genesis, and we've just finished up Joshua, which I was asking my mom the other day, what did you think of the podcast? And she was like, well, it's Joshua, you know, <laughs> it's, it's tough stuff, <laughs> you know, um, and there we've talked about this a good bit, Bishop, there's, there's some really tough things in in Joshua and, and some of these harder parts of the Old Testament that we sometimes for children's Bible study, you know, make this, you know, fun, uh, oh, isn't this fun, you know, but really, it's really, really hard stuff. And I think what you're talking about, and maybe my question is, you know, how important that lens is when we're reading um parts of the Bible that we think, oh, I don't know if I can believe that or I can put my trust in that or my faith in that. What are your what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think one of the first things that I learned in seminary uh, was that the Bible is a library um, and and you have to know what you're reading. Um, uh, the it isn't uh, all history. Uh, some of it is theology. Some of it's poetry. Some of its uh, literature. Um, it, it isn't all history. I, I do remember a professor once writing on the back blackboard. Um, that's back when we had those. Um, he wrote down historical fact, and then he put an equal sign, and he put theological truth. Historical fact equals theological truth, and then he drew a line through the equals. And um, and that I think that's very important to to at least understand what we are reading. Um, I, I mean, that ain't going to solve all the problems uh, in the Bible, but but it I think that helps to know what it is we're actually reading. Yeah, I totally agree. I remember having that um, same conversation with. Cynthia or Jane Patterson or something. And I also remember being one of my first days in seminary, looking at Jane Patterson and going, tell me who Cain and Abel's wives are, you know, like wanting yeah. all of that. And, and, and her kind of teaching me like, 
you're, you're missing. You're, you got, got to look at this in a different way. And that was really important to me because I'm just, I'm a cradle Episcopalian, but I'm like, maybe if I go to seminary, they're going to tell me who Cain and Abel's wives are. And yet they, they taught me a different way to think about the Bible, which was super important. You don't have to believe that um, God and the devil had a conversation about Job. Right. You mm-hmm. can believe that's a literary device. Very important. And it still be true. And I think, Bishop, that gets to what you've talked about, kind of the importance of reading Bible in community. So you're not a teenager at home figuring out, I've got to pluck my eye out or chop my hand off um, because I'm a teenage boy. And so with that, it brings to mind to me a charge given to you when you're consecrated a bishop, a charge you give to us when we're ordained as priests. We're handed Bibles. You were handed a Bible. We were handed Bibles. And you were told, defend the truth, right? Like that, like not defend the Bible, right? Use the Bible, but defend the truth. And and we're given a Bible and we're told to illumine Holy Scriptures. I forget exactly what it is. But it, to me, it has to do with this notion. And I'd love your thoughts on what is a bishop's role and a priest's role in helping folks understand Scripture. But what's perhaps more importantly, what's the community's role, the church's role in helping to folks understand the scriptures? Well, um, I mean, I, I, I can't overstate how much, how important I think that is. Um, I, um, I think that um, my hope is that every congregation has in some sense, uh, whether ordained or not, uh, a rabbi, uh, a teacher, um, and um, uh, someone who has, has studied, who can help bring people along, can meet people where they are. Um, I, uh, I remember um, one of my seminary classmates' mother was watching us as we were probably in our middler year of seminary and, and it's pretty heady time and you're learning all this and, and a lot of things that you used to believe you don't believe anymore at that point. Uh, it all kind of gets hopefully put back together down the road, but right there you're kind of in the wilderness. And that, that, uh, that, uh, my classmate's mother said, uh, you know, y'all, if you're going to knock a, some, a pillar of faith out from underneath someone, you need to be able to give them back something more. Um, and I really believe that. Um, it isn't our job just to go around knocking the pillar of faith out underneath someone. Um, but I do believe we can give them back something more than a literal uh, reading of the Bible or a, a reading of the Bible that is all uh, that it's all a historical fact. Um, I think we can give them something more. That's beautiful. Love that, Bishop. Do you have a Do you have a favorite um, book of the Bible or favorite scripture that that you love and that has just sort of been a part of your ministry? Um, <clears throat> I um, well, I'm one that does love Paul. I know that's unusual, <laughs> but I think he's a mystic. And, uh, and I think his understanding of the body of Christ is, is, uh, pretty amazing. Um, the, um, I know that right now in the church, 
back to seminary a little bit when we were reading about Jesus. And if you remember at that time, back once upon a time, there was something called the Jesus Seminar, and everybody was talking about whether or not Jesus actually said this or that. And they were even taking a vote on what Jesus said or didn't say. And I'm not going to go into that right now. But um, um, it, it's um, so so we were people kind of made fun of the so-called red letter Bible, uh, the Bible where everything in there that's red is what Jesus said. I kind of wish we had red letter Bibles right now. I wish people were reading what Jesus actually said. Um uh, it, it, right now, it'd be okay with me if everybody was reading the Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Mount or things like that. Um, yeah, that, that would be okay with me. I agree. Yeah, because we 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 love to forget those things that Jesus did, like hanging out with the beggars and the prostitutes and the people that are unlike us, right? Um, we forget that part. And I think you're right. A red letter Bible right now would be a pretty good thing for most people to have in our current culture. Yeah. My favorite red letter sentence is, um, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I, that That's pretty, pretty important to me. Yeah. Love that. Thank you for sharing that. Alan, you got any more questions for your bishop? Yeah, I just, you know, so we're in the Episcopal Church in North Texas, and I've come from South Carolina, and those are two places where there's been some disagreements about the role of Scripture. And so I'd just love to hear you reflect on on that, right? Like how we can get along with people who view Scripture differently than we do, but how also we can protect ourselves, right, from people who want to use Scripture as a bludgeon. Yeah, um, that's a long subject. Uh, The Scripture scripture as a weapon is is one thing, certainly, that uh, we've encountered. I can't deny that. I I wonder, and this is just what I wonder, is um, I wonder if there is a dynamic between those who more emphasize worshiping Jesus than following Jesus and vice versa. Uh, I, I, I just wonder that um, it, it is. Um, I'm not saying we don't do both. But uh, or don't or or that everyone doesn't claim both. Uh, but I um, I wonder if that's part of it because um, I can't wrap my head about around how we um, ignore some of the teachings of Jesus. Um, it, it's um, or I, I, I'll say we. I'm talking about the. Uh, all of us do some, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, I do it every day. I don't mean to, but I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I like to think I know better, but I do. Yes. <laughs> and it makes me think. You know, we've been working our way through Mark um, in the Sunday lectionary, and we have these stories of of healings and encounters, and all of these. You know, Peter's 
saying, no way, Lord, are you going to suffer? The rich man saying, no way am I going to do this? People right. saying, no way can I do what it takes? And then we have Bartimaeus, mm-hmm. right, right, who has nothing, no vision, no, no, but he's act, he's the one that sees. And he, you know, I love the end. He left it all and followed on the way. And so there it gets exactly what you're talking about. Peter, the rich young ruler, all these people, like they were looking for the cheap something, maybe. I don't know. But were they willing to do what it takes to actually follow Jesus? Or did they just want to worship the idea? Did they have the courage, which Bartimaeus did? And that's so he's such a kind of icon to me in the Bible. I'm, obviously, we're all thinking about it because we're preaching on it this Sunday, you know, but that courage and do we have that courage to follow Jesus versus worship Jesus? And I think that distinction you made, Bishop, is something I'll be thinking about for a while um, because I do, I do sometimes do that. I think we all do. Right. And there's a difference in those two words. I think we can fall in the trap of worshiping the Bible. Right. And it becomes, Oh, you know, it is who it, I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. You know, that kind of deal that how does it enable our spiritual life, but not become an idol? Well, I'm not, I sure don't want to say anything that, that implies I don't believe um, that the, that the scriptures are authoritative, but I do want to suggest that in the early church, the the primary of, Authority for the early church was the risen Christ. Right. And um, I mean, they gathered around bread and wine and told the stories. And those testimonies were um, eventually considered to be um, inspired and, and sacred. Yeah. But it started. Um, telling the stories about the experience of the risen Christ around bread and wine. Yeah. What a wonderful reminder. I love these days, Alan, when we get to talk about scripture with these important different folks, because I feel like we're free to talk about Jesus and the gospel a little bit. We've been like so in the Old Testament for so long, and we are committed to that, Bishop. We are committed to going through um, but it makes me excited for 30 years from now when we're um, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, and we get to share that. Um, I really, really appreciate your thoughts that you shared today. Um, I think that you're helping us think the importance of the Bible, and it is important, but it's all about that lens that we look for, look through it for. And I think that... Um, Something I'll definitely take away from today. Alan, any parting thoughts? Bishop, any parting thoughts? Um, I'm no scholar. Um, I guess uh, our presiding bishop continues to remind us that Jesus was asked by a lawyer. Mm. What's the greatest commandment? <laughs> and he reminds us that that on those two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And that if we're not reading the Bible through the lens of love, which interestingly is the name of your podcast, Bible Love, right. um, then we're not reading it right. I'm pretty confident that's true. 
I, I can't, amen. I can't think of a better way to end this. Thank you so much. Remember listeners that we love you, but most importantly, God does.